Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. It's harder to focus than ever these days. Thankfully, C4 has reinvented the energy drink game with C4 Smart Energy, the only energy drink clinically proven to provide enhanced mental focus, containing 200 milligram of natural caffeine, a blend of vitamins and zero sugar. It was formulated to support your well-being and help you feel your best, all while enhancing mental focus. From your brain to your body, C4 Smart Energy does it all and tastes amazing. Look for Smart Energy in the beverage aisle at your local Kroger, Albertsons, and Safeway grocery stores. C4 Smart Energy. Stay focused. I got these pants in Denmark. I dig those pants. Yeah, my my bank said that my card wasn't going to work, and I walked out of that store and called my bank because I was like, I'm buying these pants. I gotta have these pants. This has got to work. Yeah. These pants are coming home from Denmark. Hey, this is Kenny Chesney. And I'm Kelsey Ballerini. Hey, I'm Connor Smith. It's Russell Dickerson here. And I'm Sam Williams. My episode of Country Heat Weekly starts now. Go Vols! Go Vols! Ugh. <laughs> Ew. Hello from the Amazon Music Country Heat House on Music Row. I'm Kelly Sutton, and I'm doing much better today than my co-host, Amber Anderson. Ugh. <laughs> so we can set the scene. Amber is a Florida Gators fan. As you heard, Amazon Music artist to watch Sam Williams is a Tennessee Vols fan. And we recorded his interview the week that Tennessee beat Florida. Isn't it time to do the heat index? Which was painful enough. And then, of course, it was a huge weekend for Vols fans, including Sam and Kenny Chesney and Kelsey Ballerini, all of whom were at the historic game in Knoxville last weekend when the Vols beat Alabama which, based off everyone's social media post, even I know was a really big deal. Ooh, I just thought of a really great burning question. Let's jump to that. But this was also the weekend that Amber had a bet with Jordan Davis. (laughs) You guys. Over the Florida LSU game. (laughs) We've made a wager. Florida fan, LSU fan. Yes. If Florida beats LSU, he will take a picture and post it to his socials in a Gator shirt. If LSU wins, post to uh, LSU shirt, post it to socials, and my next show, LSU jersey. I don't think there is a sigh big enough for everything that I feel. And I know that Tennessee fans that are listening to this are just like eating it up, but that's okay. We will give the Tennessee fans this moment because it's been a rough road for them. They haven't really had much to cheer about. So it's fine. Let's go back to your bet with Jordan Davis. Don't try to pull me away from the subject at hand. You had a bet with Jordan, so I guess now you have to put another Jordan date on your schedule, right, Amber? I don't have to. (laughs) 
you're so- I just said if Florida lost to LSU, which they did, that I would wear a LSU shirt to the next Jordan Davis show I go to. When is that going to be? Well, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> oh, this is a technicality. We'll see. I see what's happening. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's all in good fun. We really do have a great show for you today as we further explore Amazon Music's We Are Country theme for Country Music Month. The artists we celebrate today all find themselves outside the mainstream of what people may first think of when they hear country music. But all of them are very much a part of the country music family. And in Sam Williams' case, that is literal. Yeah, he's from that Williams family. Hank Sr. was his grandfather. Hank Jr. is his father. His siblings, Hillary, Holly, and Hank III, all do music as well. So it was only a matter of time before he found his voice, which is unique to himself. I really enjoyed getting to know him and hear how thoughtful he is about his legacy and what he wanted to say in his music. We're also going to rediscover the early career of K.D. Lang, who wasn't always accepted by country music fans, despite having a deep connection to a country music legend. K.D. is often overlooked, but we are shining the spotlight on her music today, which was ahead of its time in a lot of ways. And as a special treat, we are going to share part of your conversation with Walker Hayes and R&B superstar Sierra, who unleashed a remix of Walker's current single, Y'all Life, last week ahead of their performance at the CMT Artist of the Year Awards. I talked to them at rehearsals and attended the show. So let's kick things off at the Skirmerhorn Symphony Center here in Nashville, where we celebrated what's been cooking in country music this year. So toward the end of every calendar year, CMT honors their five artists of the year. In past episodes, we talked about some of the honorees, including Alan Jackson getting the Lifetime Achievement Award, and first-time honorees Carly Pierce, Cody Johnson, and Walker Hayes, along with repeat winners Luke Combs and Kane Brown. And each artist had their time to be celebrated. It was quite a night. We don't want to give away all the big moments for those who have the show sitting on their DVR somewhere. But aside from Walker Hayes, who we will get to in just a moment, what were some of your favorite moments, Amber? I think I just love this award show in general. It's small. It's intimate. I used to go as a seat filler back in the day. And it's just a lot of fun to watch other artists love on other artists. Mm -hmm. I bet you had much better seats this year. Uh, yeah. (laughs) I was legit front and center. (laughs) Did not make it on TV much, but my mom said she could see me, so. That's awesome. Okay, I'm sure another highlight for you was Walker Hayes collaborating with R&B star Sierra on Walker's new song, Y'all Life. You had a chance to talk to them at rehearsals, and lucky us, we get to Eastro. I love blending genres. I think my music kind of already hints at that. I love shocking people, you know, and never let them see your next move. You know what I mean? And uh, fusion of music. I love that. I just absolutely love it um, because music's music to me. Honestly, genre is just kind of a weird word. I mean, I just love bangers. I just love hits, you know, and uh, and so uh, this is special to me. You know, I made a new friend. Something awesome came out of it. Now, now our families are friends, and we just so happen to have a have a song out jam together. And song. Yeah, and it's great. Yeah. Well, you talked earlier about you wanting to do a country song. 
blurring genre lines is just a thing that's happening. So how do you feel about being a part of kind of this community as music continues to progress in this way? What does that mean to you? It means a lot. I mean, this, I think, is one of the coolest things I've ever done in my career, um, you know, because it's really a special audience. Like, I feel like country audiences are just, 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 dope to me. Like, you know, they're very rabid. They're very diehard, you know, for the artists they believe in. And I think it's always special to watch that support. It's such a unique support and culture. Um, so for me, it's it's really special. Um, like I said, it's really a dream come true and something I've always like envisioned myself doing. So I'm just like, you know what, God, you're so good because, you know, amazing things like this happen. Um, so it's really special to me. I'm a Southern girl, you know, I'm from Atlanta. So I'm it's right next door. But there's just something special about the South and the communities in the South. And like it hugs you. So um, it's really a treat for me. Oh, I love that. It goes all the way back to our We Are Country theme. We love people who love country music. That's right. It was a really exciting week for Cody Johnson because he leads the country nominees for the American Music Awards. He got three nominations, male artist, country album, and country song. Okay. But can we talk about the real shocker in these nominations? Taylor Taylor Swift! Swift. (laughs) Taylor was nominated for Favorite Country Female. And her re-recorded album, Red, Taylor's version, was nominated for Favorite Country Album. I know that seemed super surprising to us, but actually, it's not that unusual. For instance, Beyonce was nominated in both the female pop and female R&B categories. The AMAs are fan-voted and will be handed out November 20th. It's award show season, y'all. Buckle up. Anything can happen. I mean, honestly, I'm holding out hope Taylor shows up at the CMAs. I mean, she's nominated in the music video category for I Bet You Think About Me, which was directed by her BFF, Blake Lively. Speaking of the CMAs, they're coming up. And we will once again be there. Yes, we will. In fact, we will be on location all week on Radio Row, interviewing the nominees and performers. And we'll be getting you ready for country music's biggest night on all the Country Heat Weekly episodes between now and then, including having the night's most nominated artist, Lainey Wilson, center stage the week going into the awards. The CMA Awards air Wednesday, November 9th, live from Bridgestone Arena here in Nashville on ABC. This podcast gets its name from the Country Heat playlist. Country Heat is Amazon Music's flagship brand for the biggest happenings in country music. There's a playlist, a radio station, a hosted station, Country Heat and DJ Mode, and of course, this podcast. Amazon Music Artist to Watch, Bailey Zimmerman, is on the playlist cover this week. His new EP, Leave the Light On, just came out, and it features his song, Never Leave. I'll fight for you, I'll fight for us, I'll fight to. Never leave. Bailey was a guest on episode five of this season of the podcast, where he told us that music was not even on the dream board for him as a teenager. When I graduated high school, I went to West Virginia to start like gas pipeline, like building gas pipelines. Okay. If you lived in town, you're either oil field or like if you could get a, like a gas pipeline job, like you can make. That's when you're making money, you know. So mm-hmm. you travel, making money. He actually has three songs on the playlist right now. So you can find Between a Rock and a Hard Place and Where It Ends in the Mix, too. Did you see that Thomas Rhett and Riley Green did an exclusive acoustic performance of their duet, Half of Me, 
just for Amazon Music? I did, and I love acoustic performances. Half of me wants a cold beer. Yeah, that's a cold hard truth. Speaking of collaborations, the L. King-Dirks Bentley duet, Worth a Shot, is on the playlist, and L. is going to be our center stage guest on the podcast next week. We're going to get all the scoop on this song, plus that new album she just announced, Come Get Your Wife. The project doesn't come out till January, but we've been listening to it, and it's Awesome. It is so awesome. <laughs> There's a song called Tulsa on there. Both of us texted each other immediately when we figured out what it meant. I texted Kelly, I just listened to that song three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait to talk to her. I think we're all going to be BFFs. I think so, too. We should also mention the song Tennessee Orange by Megan Maroney is on the playlist as well. I mean, honestly, I don't think we needed to. <laughs> but since you did. We have got to talk about how that song is like the answer song to Connor Smith's Orange and White. Like, right down to the same teams, the same towns. It's crazy. Do they share any of the same writers? No, they do not. I checked. But I asked the production team if we could get a mashup. So take a listen. In Georgia, they call this in. I'm wearing Tennessee orange Wow, it really is like both sides of the same story. It's wild if this isn't connected somehow. I have confirmed that they are not dating, so art is not imitating life. Okay, we need to move on. This is the wrong shade of orange for me. <laughs> you can also find jams like Kelsey Ballerini's Muscle Memory and Breland's For What It's Worth on the Country Heat playlist, exclusively on Amazon Music. <laughs> We're about to go to break, but first, I'm going to read you this quote from one of our country artists, and you guys get to guess who said that. And then when we get back from the break, we'll play the audio and see if you were right. Okay, this week's quote is, I'm a little notorious for taking space between tours. I want everything to feel very special and very thoughtful in how we execute everything. Who said that? I think I know. Keep listening, and we'll tell you right here on Country Heat Weekly. Hey, y'all, Maren Morris here. I'm Dirk Bentley. And I'm Bailey Zimmerman. This is Mickey Guyton. Country Heat Weekly will be right back. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to tell you who said that. I'm a little notorious for taking space between tours. Um, I want everything to feel, you know, very special and very um, thoughtful in how we, like, execute everything. Carrie Underwood! (laughs) The Today Show was in Greenville, South Carolina for the kickoff of Carrie's Denim and Rhinestones tour and gave us all a behind-the-scenes peek. I'm catching the tour this week, so I'm going to bring back more scoop for next week's episode. Today's guest is a third-generation country music artist. Sam Williams' father, Hank Williams Jr., and grandfather, Hank Williams, had a huge impact on the genre. But their legendary status is actually the reason he avoided an artist's career at first. I mean, those are some pretty big shoes to fill, but he couldn't deny his calling. Sam was pursuing a degree at Belmont when he realized being an artist was what he was meant to do after all. He just wanted to do it in his own way. He's been named one of Amazon Music's artists to watch, and he's here to discuss his next project, Glasshouse Children, Tilted Crown. This is the deluxe version of his highly regarded debut album, which includes a track featuring Dolly Parton. We will definitely be getting all the details on how this collab came about and what we can expect from the six new tracks on this extended collection. Sam Williams, welcome to Country Heat Weekly. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Thank we you. We are so excited that you're here. We're excited to introduce our global audience to you. And we're going to start a little bit with your backstory. I mean, it's so funny. I'm looking at the internet and it says you were born in Texas. And I'm like, you might have been born there. But <laughs> no. you're here. You're a Tennessee boy. Yeah, I was born in Nashville and That's I grew up in a small town called Paris, Tennessee. So we have a little small Eiffel Tower and everything. I have seen that. Yes. If there's a fish fry. Yes, the world's biggest fish fry. I need to go to this. Paris Paris is lovely in the spring. (laughs) That's awesome. And you're 25, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so what were your first memories of music? Did you play an instrument? Did you always sing? Um... I think a lot of people like listen to their parents playing records at the house. My parents didn't play a lot of records. I think my dad had been around music long enough. But like listening to the radio, and I would always write little poems, like haikus and poems on the bus coming home. So I think those were my first memories of music. And some of my nannies, like I had a nanny named Benita who was obsessed with Sugarland. So I was very versed in Sugarland from a young age. <laughs> yeah, and I got to go to my dad's concerts growing up and some of my sister Holly's. So I was always around it. You said when you were coming home on the bus, you meant school bus and not, like, tour bus. No, on the school bus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tour bus, too. <laughs> I wanted to clarify. I was like, but, you know, that is interesting. At what age did you realize dad's job is not like other dad's jobs? Um, I think I always knew that because, I mean, the Internet was always around and, you know, introduced to it at a young age. You can look it up. And it was kind of scary to me for a long time because I was like, how could I ever— measure up to this. But, you know, growing up and getting to dig into it and learn about it was was really, really awesome for me. Now, your debut album, Glass House Children, came out last year. Mm-hmm. What were your goals with this album? I wanted to, you know, insert myself onto the scene in country music as somebody who wrote their own songs and had their own story and wasn't really trying to imitate anything else. And I wanted to, you know, for any naysayer or not even naysayer but someone who might click on it and expect a certain thing or expect to hear outlaw country for them to be able to respect what it was and I just wanted to tell my story and 
have my own, you know, unique perspective and writing style. And I implemented that well, and it, it came across like it was supposed to. So it was really just me wanting to tell my story and get it started. Yeah. I want to hear how you found your sound, because I think that that's a struggle for any artist. With you, you already have this built-in last name and this legacy. So it was probably, I want to say, even more complicated for you to figure out what your voice was supposed to be and what your sound was going to be. Yeah. I mean, I think that my dad and my grandfather had sounds that defined the eras that they were in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really just trial and error. And But it, it helps writing your own songs. Because if somebody else yeah. writes your songs, you kind of feel like you're imitating and you're always, you know— you're trying to match something, but writing my own songs, it just became it became clear what I what I was comfortable saying, what I wasn't comfortable saying, how I liked singing, how I didn't like singing, um, and you know sometimes I want to do a big chorus, and sometimes I want to do you know an empty broken down chorus, and it just it just happened. Thankfully, it was easy enough to to make the record cohesive, but you know it turned out really really well, so I'm really thankful. And now you're releasing the deluxe edition, mm-hmm. Glasshouse Children, Tilted Crown, six bonus songs. So were they there all along, or did you write them after you already released the first? Um, I wrote four four new songs, and one is a remix, and uh, one was a little bit older. Okay. Blame them both. It was a few years old. So it was in the process when I was writing Glasshouse Children, and it was just a song that didn't make the cut. And I just wanted it to, it it was a part of the story. So I wanted to, you know, for it to be a part. You know, something I love is that your music is very visual. Mm -hmm. And we talk about the work you've done to to find your sound. But tell us a little bit about your creative process overall. Like, where do you write? Do you write better in certain situations? What's that creative process look like for you? I'm on the floor a lot. I like to crouch down and like get get like level with the floor and drink my coffee. And I bring a book with me. I write in a blank book. Um, Most of the time nowadays, people are on their laptops and erasing. And I like to like scribble out and write in my book. And I don't know, it's just more cathartic that way, I believe. You know, it's it's just trial and error. And it's hard to be creative sometimes. It really, really is. Especially when you've gone through as much as I have in the last few years, sometimes it feels like beating a dead horse. But, um, you know, it comes. It comes at the right time, and it always finds you. The song that hit me is Tilted Crown. Mm. There's a lot to unpack here. What was the message that you wanted to convey with that song? Well, um, thank you for, you know, appreciating the visuality of my music. I really appreciate that. I think that there was just a time period in my life where I felt like everything was closing in and things that I had worked for and things that I had prayed for were were just kind of disappearing before me. And that's why I wrote, What Am I to Do With My Kingdom That's at Siege? I just likened it to, you know, a normal life being like a prince or, you know, somebody in like a family that's, you know, well-respected and, and the kingdom just crashing down. That's what I felt like. And I wrote it around the time that my mom had passed. You can even ask the legends, like, it's something that you can't really, really write about for a long time. So I didn't say anything like that directly, but it was around that time period that I wrote that song. And I just wanted it to be hopeful and people to feel seen, feel seen listening to it. And it is very visual and it's cathartic. All the grace and the shame that came with the name that I got handed 
down Keep me walking around till the trumpets sound Halo holding up my tilted cry Is it hard for you to perform this one? It is hard to perform that one, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's difficult to perform some of the songs uh, in my catalog now. Like, Can't Fool Your Own Blood is one of my most special songs. And it's, it's hard to do now. You know, it is kind of hard to do. Um, but I know that the message will still always connect with somebody. So I try to keep that in mind. Okay, anybody who listens to our podcast knows I'm a huge Dolly Parton fan. She sings on your album on the track called Happy All the Time. I want to hear about the legendary letter that you wrote to her mm-hmm. to get her to collaborate with you on this song. Well, I didn't um I didn't really spare anything in that letter and I wasn't really doing my best to suck up to her or anything like that. I just where I was at in my life, I was like for some reason Everything has been pointing to you with this song, and I've been working really hard to try to get it to you, and I just explained what the song was about, what my life was like, stuff that I'd been through, and what the message of the song you know, really meant. I wrote a two-page letter, and I laminated it. You typed a two-page. Typed, oh, yeah, yeah. I typed it on a typewriter, yeah. yeah. And laminated it, and type wrote the lyrics out. And uh, no, the, the letter was handwritten. I okay. type wrote the lyrics. Okay. And I laminated them and I sent like some pictures in it. I sent my son. It, my son was only like two years old. So that was perfect. It was like the perfect age to send pictures of him. <laughs> and it was like a whole care package. And oh, yeah, she just, it. it just, I don't know how it happened. Um, we only got to meet once. And I mean, she's so graceful and so spiritual, you know, but she was kind of hard on me. She was a little hard on me. What'd she say? She was like, why haven't you done any songs with your sister? And where's your album covering your grandfather's songs? And why haven't you toured here? And you need to do a look like this with a white jacket. And I was just like. (sighs) (laughs) Yes, ma'am. I was like, yes, ma'am. Yes, Yes, I was like, I was like, I have a son. Um, I was only 22 at the time. So I was, I was really scared. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you better get a white jacket. Yeah, you better. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. If money could buy happiness, you'd be happy all the time. Okay, let's talk about Wild Girl and the production on it because mm-hmm. I can see this one being performed. Big production, lots yeah. of lights, maybe some pyro. Like, <laughs> what are you thinking? And tell us about the song. Uh, well, Wild Girl was on Glasshouse Children. It was a song I had done with Jaron Johnson and and written with him. And we didn't really go like the radio route, you know, with my album, for better or for worse. Um I just thought that that song deserved another shot. Like, it deserved another chance. So we just went in the studio and worked on it. I worked on it with a guy named Johnny Reno. And he just brought so much new life to it. And we just put a couple new vocals on it. And, you know, it's really, it's it's a movie. It has it has energy to it. It really, really does. Um, I didn't want it to be uh, an extension of the album and not touch on any of the vibrant parts Okay. Of Glasshouse Children. So I just thought it was important to have that in there and bring some new life to it. Stay a wild girl. Do your thing. Tap into the crazy underneath your ways and then fly girl. 
that. What is a Sam Williams live show like for people who haven't seen you live? Ooh. Hmm. Um, it starts off with a bang and goes through and has kind of an acoustic, an acoustic vibe throughout the middle of it where like my vocals shine. And um, it ends with me usually doing one of my grandfather's songs. I usually end with I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. The midnight train is whining low. I'm so lonesome I could cry. And it, it's, it's kind of like a roller coaster. Like just how Glasshouse Children is pretty diverse, you know, pretty diverse musically. The show is is a lot like that, too. So the theme of Country Music Month here in Amazon mm-hmm. is We Are Country. Okay. And country music means so many things to so many different people. What does country music mean to you? Oh, that's such a tough one. I know. <laughs> you Amber. have the most unique perspective of any person we've talked to. I, I want to say that country music means feeling seen. And, and feeling at home. Um, I think there's a lot of people that, you know, divert to country music if they're, if they're having problems at home or if they feel alone. And, you know, like the warm sounds of a guitar or, you know, a lonesome vocal. Like my grandfather's, for example, back in the, you know, in the late 40s, like it's a universal thing. And it's a, it, it invokes emotion in a way that some genres of music just don't. And it helps people feel seen. And um, I think it's it's truly for everybody. You know, I always say y'all means all. Mm-hmm. It, it's really for everybody. And it's not, it's not an exclusive boys club. And it's not just for people who, you know, play a bunch of instruments or dress a certain way or go to Broadway all the time. Like, it really is for everybody. And I think that we're in a time now where you're seeing, you know, a lot of different stuff in country music. And I always try to keep it, you know, as true to myself as possible, but to, you know, to do something new that's not being done. Mm. So I think it's a, I think country music is feeling seen. Yeah, we love that. What does it mean to you to be accepted into the country music family? Because part of it is your birthright and that you were already there. But there's a whole nother crop of people who are falling in love with your music that don't even realize what your last name means. What does that mean to you? Um, I mean, I feel, uh, I feel a lot of privilege in a way, just getting, getting looks or getting opportunities that I may not get, you know, if I didn't have my last name, but it just feels very validating. You know, it really does. Um, like just doing a tour with Marty Stewart, Mm. I think that he had kind of handpicked me to do it. And he was like, all these people are great, but I would love to get to do it with him. It just makes me feel like I'm doing something right. Like just keep your head down, keep your pen to the paper, and keep moving forward, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, part of it is you can get into the room, but to stay in the room, it's the talent, and mm-hmm. it's what you have inside. And yeah. that's why you are being loved and yeah. accepted, and, and people are falling in love with your music more yeah. than just the name. Yeah. You and, I, I, and I appreciate the Grand Ole Opry for having me out, because when you say it like that, I never thought about it this way, but I guess if if I got into the room because of my name and I went out there and I sucked, they wouldn't have had me back. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's true. I mean, you're, it, I mean no. that is true. I mean, you are holding your own. You are yeah. you are paving your own road yes. forward, yeah. and that's so important because you could you could go out and just you know 
do what everybody else has been doing. And then you can, but you're really, I mean, even just talking to you, you can tell you're so intentional and so true to you, which it really comes across. So thank you. That's really great. You've embraced the description, the new Nashville. (laughs) So what does the new Nashville look like and sound like to you as we're talking about kind of all of these new different things? Um, I mean, the new Nashville looks like Sam Williams. It looks like Raina Roberts. It looks like Willie Jones. It looks like Morgan Wade. And I'm not just trying to name people on Amazon's. <laughs> That's okay. We like to on shout Amazon's them out list, too. <laughs> but um, you know, it looks like people that are trying different things. It looks like different styles. It looks like incorporating different kinds of music into your music and your sound. It looks like LGBTQ people. It looks like Chapel Heart on America's Got Talent. It it looks like more of a universal thing where you're not so pigeonholed into one look. One of the things that you love and that you're very expressive with is your fashion. So talk to us a little bit about fashion and how that has become part of the outward expression of who Mm -hmm. you are as an artist. Well, um, I was in the mall yesterday and I was walking through Nordstrom and um, I realized when when I was younger, (laughs) I spent a lot of time in the women's shoe department with my mom. My mom was a cereal shopper. I mean, just bags and bags and bags and hours and hours and and Nordstrom's and Bergdorf and like all these different places. And I just became very versed in it. I remember she would come to my basketball games in like exotic print and like giraffe and stuff. And they'd be like, look at MJ. (laughs) Woman after my own heart. No, that's awesome. Um, I went to Belmont for a few years. And I remember in one of my country music classes studying the style of like the 50s, the 50s and 60s, I should say. And I remember seeing like pictures of little Jimmy Dickens for the first time. And I was just like, in like the original Manuel's. And like, yeah. I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to, I want to push that envelope. And I don't even, I don't even know if I have as much as, as, as I would like to, but um, I just like everything to have a certain look. And I do take pride in that. We are just such huge fans, and we cannot wait to see what all is ahead for you. Thank you so much for being here Thank with us. Thank you so much, it. y'all. This was awesome. Each week, we dig into the Amazon Music Archives to rediscover the careers of some trailblazers in the country music industry by shining a spotlight on the songs and artists you may not have heard in a while. And for Country Music Month, we've been digging into a variety of female trailblazers in the genre. This is week number three of our four-part series. Today, we're taking things back to the 1980s to rediscover the music of Canadian singer-songwriter Katie Lang. She is a four-time Grammy winner, two in country, two in pop, and a six-time Juno Award winner, including two for Country Female Vocalist of the Year. The Junos are Canada's equivalent of the Grammys, so it's a really big deal. Let's get to know this multi-genre artist a little better by exploring her country roots. Born Catherine Don Lang in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, Katie's love for country music developed in school when she became fascinated with the music and career of Patsy Cline. Katie would even tour infringed cowgirl dresses, replicating Patsy's look. In 1984, she released an album called A Truly Western Experience on a Canadian label. It was very country. Nine songs, including Bopalina, written by Webb Pierce and Mel Tillis. Oops, go, 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 go
This project got her some serious attention with major labels in the States, and she went on to sign with Sire Warner Brothers. This exposure to a new crop of listeners led to the release of her U.S. debut album, Angel with a Lariat, which she cut with her band at the time, The Reclines. From this 1987 record, we got the Grammy award-winning duet with rock and roll Hall of Famer Roy Orbison, titled Crying. Apparently, Roy personally chose Katie to record this track with, which obviously gave her career a boost. It was featured in the film Hiding Out and really put her name on the map. The recognition from this song also won her the Entertainer of the Year Award from the Canadian Country Music Association in 1987 and 88, in addition to two female vocalists of the year awards in 1988 and 89. She did release some more music in that time, too, like her sophomore album, Shadowland. This Countrypolitan-themed project was a big one for Katie. First off, it was produced by Owen Bradley, who was a mentor to her idol, Patsy Cline. The album even had a graphic declaring the Owen Bradley Sessions. It also featured guest appearances by Kitty Wells, Loretta Lynn, and Brenda Lee. Yes. Each of their talents were highlighted in a honky-tonk Angels medley. In the evening, in the evening, baby, when the sun goes down, in the evening. What an incredible stamp of approval from three country music legends. Well, listeners thought so, too, because it was named Album of the Year by the Canadian Country Music Association in 1988, and it became her highest-charted country album. One of the highlights of this project was I'm Down to My Last Cigarette. I definitely hear some influences of Patsy Cline as Katie sings about someone who is stressed because the person who is supposed to call them hasn't yet. You told me you'd call me, but you haven't yet. I mean, you can practically hear Patsy singing this one if she'd been pitched it. Another song off the record is Lock, Stock, and Teardrops. This time, instead of waiting by the phone, the character Katie sings about has now moved on to warning her partner that she might not come running back when they do call. Lock, stock, and teardrops You'll notice that Katie doesn't use gender-specific pronouns in her songs by this point, but she had not come out to the world just yet. I love that that song has a bit of soulful flair to it, but her 1989 single, Full Moon, Full of Love, features something extra in the background of the track, a slight yodel. She's got a yodel with a piano accompaniment, and somehow she really made it work together. The same year that single dropped, Katie also released her next album, Absolute Torch and Twang, which combined her love of country with increasingly sophisticated emotive torch, according to her band's bio. If I were ever to put out an album, and I won't, I promise, but if I did, I would want it to be described just like that. It sounds so (laughs) intriguing, right? She was definitely paving her own path and creating her own sound. From this project, Katie Lang earned Best Country Vocal Performance Female during the 32nd Annual Grammy Awards in 1989. She was also nominated for Top Female Vocalist at the ACM Awards that year. This record featured songs like Pulling Back the Reins and Three Days. 
Pulling Back the Reins is a clear example of her powerful vocals and unique blend of classic country with soulful energy as she compares love to being in a saddle. Now, Three Days is a bit different from her other work that we've talked about because it's a cover of a song that was originally recorded by Willie Nelson and included on his 1962 album, And Then I Wrote. It also served as one of her last country music songs to chart before she entered into her pop era. Things definitely started to change for Katie. She transitioned away from country music and began getting more involved in activism after coming out as a lesbian in June of 1992. Her pop career continued to win her accolades and the attention of crooner Tony Bennett. He called her the best singer of her generation. Now that's a high compliment. Yeah, I'd say so. In 2002, they released a Wonderful World duets album, which won a Grammy Award for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album. And while younger fans may only know her very successful pop career, we wanted to shout out not only her country beginnings, but how she never shied away from presenting in a way that was authentic to her. Whether it was her music, her fashion, or her performances, she definitely never fit into a single box. There's plenty more to cover in regards to her career, so we suggest checking out the Rediscover Katie Lang playlist on Amazon Music. Thanks for hanging with us today as we colored outside the lines a little bit and made sure everyone knew that they were welcome to be part of our country music family. Next week, we're going to raise a little hell. Are we ready for this? I'm not sure we are. (laughs) Well, get ready, because we wrap up Country Music Month with L. King Center Stage, and we rediscover the music of Tanya Tucker. Would there even be a place for Ellen Country Music if not for Tanya? Maybe not. I don't think so. If this was your first episode into the Country Heat podcast world, welcome. We're so glad to have you, and we hope you'll come back. There are nearly 50 episodes prior to this one that you can catch up on. Follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to now. And tell your friends about the show. Use the hashtag Country Heat Weekly to post about it on social media. It's the middle of October, which means really there's only one question we could ask the stars this week for a burning question. Whether they believe in ghosts? Okay, well, maybe there are two questions. (laughs) (laughs) No, we need to know what their favorite Halloween candy is. What's yours, Amber? Either Cherry Jolly Ranchers or Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I don't really love candy, but those are like the two that I wanted in my Halloween bucket. What about you, Kelly? Twix. I love Twix. And I do like Kit Kats as well. Uh And I will steal them from my daughter's Halloween bucket. Okay. She knows that. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure they wondered why on earth I was asking, but I did check in with Walker and Sierra on this very important topic. I'm a nerd guy. I I get all my kids to get as many nerds as they can, grape ones, and they give them all to me. Snickers. Snickers bars are so good. Junk Party had a slightly controversial answer. Candy corn, pretty good. And that's seasonal, so it only kind of pops out during Halloween. Ugh. I hate candy corn. Me too. If Ashley McBride, Parker McCollum, Mickey Guyton, or Brothers Osborne trick-or-treat at your house, here's what you need to have on hand. Reese's Cups. Cups, not not any other kind. What I can eat like 6,000 of are Tootsie Rolls. Yeah, they're so good. Reese's Pieces. Or Snickers, Baby Ruth, Kit Kat. Oh, Reese's too. A house when we were growing up that used to give out whole candy bars. That was the best. That was like, that house, you were like, all right, that's the the honey hole of candy. The honey hole of candy. (laughs) (laughs) 
Weekly is a production of Amazon Music and Wondery. Executive producer is Melissa Walker for Nevermind Media. Senior producer is Joyce Reiser. Recording engineer, Aaron Dethridge. Sound design by Debbie Daughtry. Production assistance from Tim Einenkel, Annie Reuter, Madeline O'Connell, Rick Hamilton, and Jeremy Chua. Our theme song, Country Time, was written and performed by Mia Byrne. The team for Amazon Music and Wondery includes Nathan Brackett, Michelle Kammerer, Emily Feld, Callum Plews, Emily Belote, and Jenny Tay. The executive producers for Wondery are Dave Easton and Marshall Louie. Critical production support from Marley, Steve, Grace, Winnie, Moses, Wicket, Jake, Osmo, Abby, and all the other very good dogs out there. Find and follow Country Heat Weekly on Amazon Music or wherever you listen to podcasts so you get the latest episodes just as soon as they drop. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Spoiler alert, it's neither. At Happy Egg, we believe happiness of the hens is what actually came first, because without happy hens, there would be no such thing as happy eggs. You know, eggs with delicious orange yolks. Those come from hens who are raised the happy way on eight plus acres of family owned farms. Choose happy at happyegg.com and look for the yellow carton at a store near you. Happy Egg.